This show is brought to you by Nice Mug. Nice Mug is the only mug made entirely out of ice. For more information, go to nicemug.com and enter the coupon code SAUNA for 10% off your entire purchase. So maybe you're listening to this uh, on an airplane somewhere or maybe driving with work or what have you. Um, and the, one of the ideas of sauna talk is that uh, we can bring this this vibe, this feeling of of hot room, you know, being in a sauna and the chitter chatter that can go along with that, and some you know fun, crazy thinking, you know, to to where you are uh, in in your work and your busy uh, schedule. Uh, you know, this this podcast is just an opportunity for you guys to uh, relax a little bit. I mean, that's that's one of my goals with sauna talk it can get little little fun it doesn't have to be all serious all the time and and this uh this episode is no exception it's a special episode i, I think sauna talk works really well with one guest we can kind of drill into what their life is all about and maybe what sound sauna authentic sauna means to them but this one this one's unique this we we have three folks and i'm going to introduce you to these these three people uh through the podcast and uh, you might as well get to know who they are uh, right now. They're, they're great folks um, with regard to sauna in that uh, they take it, um, th- they're really into it. They're like I am about sauna, authentic sauna, the real deal. And uh, we get into a real deal sauna. This is the first episode in my cabin's sauna up north on an island in northern Minnesota. It was a perfect day. It was early June. It was rainy. It was kind of cool. And the fresh, uh, you know, we have fresh growth out on the uh, birches and the pines and uh, the birds were chirping and uh, life was 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 really in full effect. Uh, We were all up north uh, at my island cabin sauna to experience National Sauna Day in Embarrass, Minnesota. Uh, We're first joined on the bench uh, with uh, Garrett Conover and Garrett came a long way. He came 1200 miles from Maine to northern Minnesota. Uh, he's working on a book. He took some wonderful photos um, and got some insight about sauna in northern Minnesota. It was uh, a great trip. Great to have him. Great to get to know him better. Soft-spoken guy. Enjoys the quiet on the bench. And uh, I feel kind of bad because I can get all revved up, but uh, he, he really enjoys the silence. <laughs> and so I hope I didn't uh, over overburden him with too much yapping. Um, so there we go. So we had him and uh, Garrett and uh, John John Peterson, 612 Sauna Society. Uh, I think you guys have heard a lot about what John's up to. Uh, millennial with a with a real spirit uh, to bring sauna to, to more and more people in a community-based environment. Um, John has a wood-burning sauna. I helped him build it. I was very proud to do that. Uh, he's got a wood-burning mobile sauna in his backyard where he's renting. Uh, right by the shores of Minnehaha Creek in Minneapolis. I could walk to his house and, and have done it many times. And uh, Lee uh, Sarkella, I got to know Lee uh, on this trip. And, uh, you know, a friend of uh, John's is a friend of mine. And Lee was roped in and uh, and fit right in. Um, <clears throat> he stayed at my cabin sauna on Friday night. And uh, you could hop in a boat and shoot due east and run into his island on Lake Vermilion, his family island. We talk a lot about his family island and his history of Lake Vermilion and Tower, Minnesota. And what a great vibe 
the four of us. You know, all long-tail sauna enthusiasts. And, uh, you know, we talk about the, the Pine Island uh, connectivity and how it connected all four of us in an indirect sort of way. We, uh, you know, hit, hit the lake plunge and then talk about uh, all kinds of things like a recent visit to uh, uh, 612 Sauna Society by Magnus Nielsen, the Swedish celebrity chef, um, and sauna being a great equalizer. You know, egos get checked at the door, and uh, this, this event uh, was no exception. Uh, a lot of folks enjoyed the party with uh, Magnus Nielsen and uh, JP's Backyard Sauna. And, uh, and then JP gets on the rampage about a nice community sauna in Minneapolis and why doesn't it exist. And uh, I'm trying to encourage him in all capacities that he's the man to make it exist, and he will. Uh, we talk about uh, Chicago Sweat Lodge a little bit. You'll learn more about that uh, facility uh, and how um, it's a unique breed to have sauna meisters, people that host saunas, whether it be a public institution like Chicago Sweat Lodge or what JP's doing with this mobile sauna through uh, the winter, this past winter. Um, we're going to hear a little bit more about uh, oh Lee's, uh, Lee's family's island cabin. Um, and then uh, Garrett brings in uh, what's, what's called tasteful mega wealth, how there can be tasteful mega wealth out there where you don't have ostentatious builds uh, with grass right down to the shoreline and weed killer dripping into the lake and wrecking stuff, but uh, how tasteful mega wealth can work where uh, people apply their wealth uh, toward beauty. Um, a lot about canoeing. Uh, Garrett's a, a avid canoe uh, outfitter guy out in Maine. He's brought many folks on many canoe trips, including his winter. Um, he, he's also done a lot of winter camping. Um, you know, and then round three, we get into some really neat stuff about the worldliness of sauna, uh, some rapid-fire questions with Lee, and then the rain stopped. So on that note, welcome to Sauna Talk. All right, so how are we doing? Great. It's pretty warm in here, isn't it? Yeah, it's really perfect. Yeah. I, mean, I love the kitty corner door. Thank you, yeah. So it says it's... 200? Oh, it's dropped a smidgen with the door opening. Yeah, we, you and I coming in and out, introduced rigidness. And what are we down to now? 204. 204. <clears throat> and here we are in Pine Island on Lake Vermilion in northern Minnesota. And uh, Garrett, uh, you came how far to uh, in this past few days to get where we are here? Let's how see. far did you come from? Well, from central Maine, so... I would guess it's probably 1,200 miles. 1,200 miles. And you flew from Portland, Maine? Portland to uh, LaGuardia to Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. uh, then driven here today. It's perfect. Yeah, great, great. And what are your first impressions of the northern Minnesota area? I mean, you've spent... A lot of time up here which we'll, we'll get to in a minute yeah. but what are your first impressions upon returning up here this vibe this from from a we had a hike we got an yeah. hour and a half maybe longer hike on Pine Island just now what are some of your first re-impressions or impressions of this area well on the drive up of course seeing cotton grass and tamaracks in the bogs just sets my heart a flutter and then I've rarely been here in open water seasons, mm. 
Um, the only other time being um, in June at North House Folk School. And, that, and that's out of Grand Marais? Grand Marais. And so I have friends there and in Finland and in somewhere halfway between Finland and Ely. Isabella? Isabella is about the only little town a, there. Yeah, they, they live about a, an hour from each and they're yeah. not near anything. So uh, I met a lot of friends in Ely. Most of my trips have been in the winter. So if you were to compare the nature here, like the natural area, the you know, the flora the, and all that stuff, uh, to Maine, what are a couple of the main differences that you can sense right away after coming up here again, um, this trip, just now? Oh, there's, I think probably the similarities stand out strongest. But um, given that, we're... It's transitional forest and boreal forest, which are my favorites anyway. Mm. But um, there's a lot more naturally occurring red pine here than there are in Maine. Okay. That we saw some lovely pale corridalis blooming on a ledge during our hike. And just being here in the new leaves is, is fun wherever I am. Yeah, so. yeah. So if you were to be transposed into the middle of an island in Maine, you know, on some lake in Maine, <clears throat> what would be the main differences there? You mentioned the red pine. Yeah. What else would you notice right away? Is it a hard, more hardwoods or, or the pines, well, birch? In the north, northern part, it's, it's much more spruce fir. There's not as much um, bedrock and outcropping in Maine. It's plenty present where it is, but there's... There's a lot more, um, you know, big rivers without, with long stretches without serious rapids and yeah. fewer lakes. But it's, uh, you, you touched upon something that intuitively I, I, I find interesting in that uh, you said it's, it's easier to uh, speak to the commonalities of the, of the nature between Maine yeah. and northern Minnesota. I think that's beautiful because what, what that tells me is like you can look on the map you know, and you could look at a map of Maine, which I've done, you know, yeah. quite a bit. And the reason why I'm asking you all this is that that topography really interests me. Resonates, right? It resonates, right. Yeah. It, much the same uh -huh. as when I was in Scandinavia and had to come back to America. And I looked at the topography of northern Minnesota and I said, I got to go here. Yeah, that's home. Do you and, feel that too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I drive out to teach at North House with a bunch of gear... I make that right-hand turn in Duluth, and I yeah. just, I'm in tears some of the drives, just because oh, it's such a homecoming. That's a beautiful statement. I like that, yeah. You know, I, I really think with sauna and, uh, and, um, and nature, uh, they, they are hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, I think people, and I've not yet to be proven wrong, but the folks that I know that really dig sauna, I mean, really enjoy the sauna experience, equally love nature i would say that's true and i would say that follows the path of of origins and traditions and the immigration story in north america and i haven't had the pleasure of touring sauna country in scandinavia yet but when it occurs it's going to be another kind of homecoming yeah you know the Finns really the scandinavians they love nice muck you know and i don't know if it's because it's you know, it's, I talk about it on some of the times. Maybe they heard about it. I don't know. 
but it's uh, like the people in Scandinavia that are into this nice mug thing, which I am so much, I think that there's this like celebration of nature. Yeah. And it kind of goes hand in hand, you know, with people that... Because even if you're in your backyard in Minneapolis drinking beer from an ice mug, there's real ice. <laughs> so you've got a connection right there. That's it. Whether it's yeah. recognized at the time or front and foremost or whether it's subliminal, it's a very real presence and it's an important one. Amen. So, folks, we're joined on the bench with a couple other uh, sauna uh, enthusiasts. Sorry, sorry to interrupt your ice, nice mug commercial. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're going to be doing the same with Stoker. What are you talking about? you got to web those in there, JK. you know? You've you got to teach me how to do that. Oh, you're a natural. Don't sell yourself short. And Lee, and Lee's sitting on the bench here, so uh, if, you know, those listening here, there's, there's four characters sitting on a sauna bench. So this is what the beauty of podcasting, right? It's like the long tail interest, like in the beauty of like this new technology that we're living in is, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think the four of us would be sitting on the bench here if it wasn't for, you know, call it the internet or whatever. But, you know, the JP 612 Sound Society has been a catalyst in a, in a beautiful, wonderful way to bring together these long tail enthusiasts of whatever, you know, in our case, it's sauna. Right, you know, and, that, and that's perfect because Lindy, who's building a full scribe log cabin on this island, half a mile from here, wrote me via email and said, "You got to get in touch with my neighbor Glenn. He publishes an online thing called Sound of Time." So I did. I enclosed a letter, got a letter back. We communicated a bit, and through Glenn, that led with no missteps and quickly to the 612 sauna society oh that was through that was through yeah. glenn and ultimately through this island that we're sitting yeah. on right now because we're, that we're on the house we island saw. of origin island of wow. origin we're, we're full <laughs> circle and what a beautiful thing and lee is of and from this place so yeah. Yeah. the rest of us are happy wow. immigrants but we're not of here and this always a pleasure to be and, and how lee you found us is through jp and this or was it through lake vermilion yeah, it, was, it, it was through carrie levin <laughs> in the twin cities ran a news article as i was getting ready for work down in north st paul and uh i saw the the news article they ran on the sauna and the one thing i hate about any sauna in the twin cities at a gym is they won't let you throw water on it mm -hmm. oh huh. so it's just a hot room yeah. Um, <laughs> you may you may damage so, the stove. Do not throw water right, on the rocks. Right, right. <laughs> Shame on you yep. for actually trying to make a real sauna out of our <laughs> sterile interior. So yeah, so on that note, um you so that, so that's a, a yeah. real sauna. This is awesome. I gotta check this oh, out. Oh, because there was I was throwing water on the rocks yep. in, the, in, in the in the picture, yeah. Um mm -hmm. on the video and so I knew it was a real one. So I think yeah. it was at Como. Was that was your first time now? It was, was Como sometime in February. And just a few weeks later, I I roped you into uh, helping all, all kinds of uh, all, move all kinds of disasters yeah. like like being there on move day. Oh, you were the, the tow truck guy. Uh, I, was, I, I waved at the tow truck. Oh, yeah, that's well, cool. that's a connection. He was a cool guy. Yeah, I wish I was a tow truck guy. And that's that's another element is contribution you know uh when you get into something that we're four of us that are into sauna right 
we contribute in our own ways. Yeah. And we all have these this passion and this kind of exhibiting itself in different ways and coming out. But through collaboration, like, you know, Lee, the, the, the great help that you gave to JP, you know, I mean, that's the kind of thing where you got off the couch. It was probably fucking cold outside. What was it, like January when you moved that little box on? Uh, let's see, Como, uh, January was Blackbird, 30th and Nicolet, February, 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 one night yeah. at Blackbird. I mean, that the coldest night of the, I think it was like, it was some kind of record when we were in January. For down there, yeah. yeah. Probably was 40 below up here at the same time. You were, was that, the, was that when you were back here last time, was during that Yeah, it was the cold snap. snap. Yeah, and that's when the heater kept going out. Yeah. Was that was when I was standing out there with that, mm. that hair dryer yeah, trying to melt the regulator or yeah. thaw the regulator. Wow. Turns out it wasn't the regulator at all. <clears> and so you had guests in the hot room or on their way. What's that? It was at that night. Like you, you were hosting a sauna yeah. and guests people, were like literally were in, in there, there enjoying oh. and having a good time. Yeah. And I was standing outside and that trying to refire it. Twenty heat it up. Negative twenty. Yeah. Nice. And <laughs> and to make it even more of a challenge is you'd be messing around like that. And then 30 seconds later, you open the door to the hot room and you have to like de stressify yourself and say, Hey, everybody having fun? Because <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, yeah. You know, just a little? Oh, oh what's that? Cool in here? Oh, let me go check on that. <laughs> that was on nearly as that was the time when the uh, hitch broke. Between round, between two groups came. Okay. The whole front jack. Went oh, out. the two. Ooh. The jack went. Oh. The jack went out. I saw the jacks yeah. that were out. And yeah. the, no one actually. That caused the other jack to go out. We had a seismic shift of about. A yeah, foot. we had like a miniature <laughs> earthquake. Oh, you were in there one that in the hot room. In the hot room. Garrett and I. Yeah, and, and that was I was like, okay, <laughs> guys, how'd you like uh, that? Well, um, I think we're gonna wrap this one up, and then we Garrett and I ran this triage where we got that we got that whole. It's like a. Uh, Ten thousand car, car jack and two um, screw jacks, and we had it solved instantaneously. Wow. Before the next group, before the next group showed up, we had gone down and, and bought a new. But it was a it was a, fun to see John under pressure because yeah. we, you know it had stabilized. We could have said you know we're at an angle, but let's continue the session. And he wisely, being a public sounder, said, "We're sorry. Come back if you can." We're gonna have to cut this for people's safety, and yeah. everybody was totally. And how many folks? How many folks needed about that? Oh yeah. How many needed to liquidate at that point? There were probably eight of us. It wasn't real full yet. Yeah, you were surprisingly liquid. Luckily, they were in a sauna, so they were pretty like cool. Yeah, they didn't care. <laughs> yeah, right. Had they had a couple rounds in? Do you think? Yeah, there was. It was. They had had I think a good, good two rounds in, so they had had a just not a full. I think it was enough to leave them um, wanting more and coming yeah. back. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, yeah, well, that's a good thing, I think, about... I know um, it's because some of those people did come back. It yeah. reminds me of that story. I was like, well, the fact that you're reminding that story on a return visit is a good, <laughs> good sign. <laughs> yeah, right on, right on. And I think that's part of the ability that you have with um, the sauna in a, in a public space where... And you've, you've done a great job of getting people to sign up for slots... And, and you know things and slots run out, you know. And then you've done also, I think, a great job of releasing more slot, more space, you know. So those that were just, uh, and I don't know if this was conscious or not, but when you really think that through, you release a bunch and it fills up, and that's great, right? And then you release some more as you go, and the people that are really into it are going to take those spots, 
Yeah, that's, that's true. It wasn't any kind of strategy this year. So it was just that we were figuring things out as we went along. So we would like figure out an extension at Blackbird. Okay, we're going to open for another week. Here's the deal. It's going to be not going to be sponsored this time around. In other words, like, you know, we have to pay for our costs. Here's the cost. Mm -hmm. But we were kind of, and then the next week after that, there might be a different a different um, sort of solution to the residency. Like, okay, actually, now we're going to be at this spot. Here's the different, you know, they're going to sponsor it, so yeah. it's going to be free. Yeah. But so we were actually just making it up as we went and then just yeah. making tickets available. But it did keep the people that were listening and engaged and really wanting to be there were, were finding it and finding you know, it right. back, which kept the right people there. You know? Yeah, and, and what I was going to say up to that uh, point also is when you limit supply, I mean, this is like a business thing, and I really don't mean it as a hardcore business thing, but when you limit supply, you create demand. And by the fact that this thing wasn't open in, in a lot of cases seven days a week, and you had these, these chunks, you know, and it was winter, you had more demand than supply, and it's not like you were being a dick about it. I think you were being very good about it in terms of people understanding and respecting the value of that time that they have in that hot room. They signed up for it. Oh, they got a two-hour, was it a two-hour window? An hour and a half. 90 minutes. Perfect. That's my point. Yeah. We learned about that as we went along, too. We learned, like, just, you know, what offering it for free, um, offering it for, for free, um, at what point of a, at, at a at, during a residency because it takes a while for people to you know they experience it and then um, but it's not until the return visit or it takes a you know it's a practice it, the novelty part of it like is not really where it's at so if you can get somebody to come back and then their second or third visit and bring the, someone else yeah and the type of experience they have as a return user return user who's also sharing it with somebody you know, that's where it starts to become something that's actually meaningful to them and not just like an interesting thing that they did that's, you know, kind of that they out saw of the on norm. Care 11. That they saw on Care 11. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. say, I mean, you tell me about that. When did your real experience start? When did it not be the thing you were checking out from the news and start to be well, probably after, well, just, after the second Whatever it is. For sure, yeah. Just in the short time I was there, there were some repeaters I saw many two times and a couple three times and when i went over to tono sauna um one of the people that was in little box showed up over there yeah that was my friend brent i think it was yeah, yeah. i remember his name brent kudak and uh, high school with him. you know and then a bunch of regulars that were friends over there that knew molly so it was just a neat little tribe that yeah. shifts and moves and evolves. wonderful tribe. Yeah. So John, <clears throat> not to put you on the spot too much, but uh, we're looking for a couple of numbers here. Do you mind if I ask you a couple numerical questions about this past winter? And I finally, uh, I'm finally ready for those questions. <laughs> okay. And I, I'm <laughs> not trying to corner, I'm not trying to corner you, but I, I think listeners right. would find yeah. it really interesting. So yeah, no, again, we'll in, in context, uh, we're talking about. Uh, JP's effort this past winter, 2015-2016, Minneapolis, Minnesota, a mobile sauna, um, and it was the, the Little Box sauna, 100%. Which was uh, my effort in partnership with Molly Record and Andrea Johnson, who are the builders and designers of, of Little Box, and they reached out to, to me, and they, you know, we thought, what if we got six of these sauna society, that group, that community, um, and we brought the resource of Little Box and the... And the the philosophy and mm -hmm. the, the vision of it yes. and those things too really came to, they came together in a really 
uh, I think, impactful way. Yeah. This winter. And that's what happened this year. Yeah, in a very unconscious way, too. I mean, the sauna was built without this in mind. I would, I would, I would say, say more organic than unconscious. Uh, well done. Definitely unconscious, but, but more organic and purposeful, but yeah. a purpose that was has been and is still uh, revealing itself. Um, and I think those people that keep showing up and keep finding it to be a, a positive experience or people that are still discovering what it is along with me. Because okay. I, I know I am. The people that I'm questions. talking to have that kind of... I agree. I love that. How many folks, unique folks, not repeats and stuff, but how many unique folks came through the yeah. sauna this past winter? Uh, visits. So that we're talking about visits there. So we had at Little Box... Um, around 1,700 visits. If you put, if you add the firehouse into that, we're looking more upwards of you know, uh, 2,100. But mm -hmm. at just the little box through reservation. Okay, so that's 2,100 visits in visits. the course of the winter. So, and, and how would you say that that would number would equate in terms of unique people, like individual people? How many unique people? Yeah. Well, that. So we had. Um, I just calculated the metrics on repeating users. And we had, um, I haven't taken out those repeated user, users yet, so I actually don't have the number. Yeah, so maybe asked, a third. But, I, would, but I, had, like, I had a list of about 20 people, 20 to 30 people who had all been in the, they came seven times. Wow. At least seven times. That's beautiful. You know, so like a, quite a few regulars, I, I guess, is the is the measure of, is like what I can say about the number that I have. So at this point, the data we know is 2,100 visits to uh, just, the, just the little box. Yeah. Okay, and then I'm just guessing maybe, you know, at least a third are, are non-repeat, you know, so 800 people maybe went through there. I think it was 600, um, 600 returning people. So it was almost half of the people. Okay. Almost half of the people were returning users. That's a beautiful number. I think that's great. It says a lot on both sides. A lot yeah, of people, a lot of return. We're a little off cycle with you, Garrett. We had a long cool down. Yeah. Yeah. I went out on the deck and cooled in the rain. Oh, good for you. Well, then I found a tub. Right there. I had a hitchhiker from our walk. Right? Oh, oh do you found one, huh? Yeah. Oh, right. I had five. You had five. I had five. Four, three on the pant, two on the leg. Same well, leg, too. We're talking about wood ticks. The four of us went on a long hike. And uh, I tell you, one of the great, many great things about sauna is uh, it's it's a great thing to do after a hike. The tick removal strategy. Tick removal. What would you call it? Yeah. A tick what? Tick removal strategy. You don't think a tick, you think a tick would, would die in here? No, no but I, released, I, I've thrown many of them on the top of the <laughs> set. I've watched them die. Skeletons are still. Exoskeletons. Yeah, they're, they're a new admin in northern Maine just the last five or ten years. Yeah, something we're still trying to learn to get used to. Okay, you ready for a little? I, I'm being a little sensitive to gear, and I, I don't want to rush you out. What, you how long have you been uh, in the hot room? Not long. Literally would be the perfect antidote to cooling session.
were talking a little bit about <clears throat> the universality of, of a hot room and the feel, the feel of uh, the thermal mass of hot rocks and, and that universal feel of uh, the water being tossed on, on rocks and how it's a draw and um, whether, no matter where you are, it's that common wonderful feeling. Not a whole lot of difference really between one sauna to another when it comes there's in terms of elements you know there's the rocks the fire bench yeah it's not a whole lot of you know with different variations on some pretty basic themes it, it is a throwback to simplicity isn't it you don't need gadgets buttons Passwords, login. Stoves have gotten stoves, <laughs> stoves, stoves have gotten a little better, but that's about the only technology. You know, it's. And I want to speak to that real quick for those building saunas, and there's often the, this debate, like, uh, you know, Lee, you've experienced a lot of Lake Vermilion saunas, and we've seen them on our hike today. Do you see more loading from uh, loading wood from the outside or loading from the inside? Ooh, good question. Um, I'd say it's pretty 50 50. Yeah, well, just our short rock was 50 50, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. What do yeah. you see? Five or six? Yeah, two more. Anyway, anyway the, the old, old school way was always load from the outside, mm -hmm. which I never got until recently. And I've kind of come come back around on this. I used to think that was kind of like, why would you do that? Like, I like the uh, ambiance of opening the door in the hot room and being able to smell the smoke and, and, and hear the flames better. But I tell you, if you're sawing, it's about the reason that that starts to become more of a factor is if you're sawing every day, sawing a lot, mm -hmm. it, it makes a big mess when you're, you're bringing wood in all the time, <laughs> you're loading it in there. And cleaning every day. Cleaning it every day, because it takes a lot of work. You, you the ash, cleaning the ash. And just like you're bringing, when you're bringing wood in your hot room, you're just like you're dropping stuff on the far. floor. Yeah. Bark on the floor, and you're just going in and out a lot more. It, it, but mm -hmm. it only becomes a until I st until I started sounding every day. I didn't get that that um, I didn't get it because you're just like oh no, it's it's kind of nice the ambiance and stuff. But the well, and it's cleanup not, is not limited to through the wall loading to the outside. One of the best uses of it is if you have a cooling room combination guest room in winter. Just the door mm -hmm. heats mm -hmm. that room to a reasonable temperature while Very the hot true. room goes off the scale. Yep. So <coughs> you, you that's the, the third option. And I, think the third, yeah. I think that's what I see a lot more on the lake here. Yeah. That they do. Load to the changing room. Yeah. yeah. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. You don't need that it, it still keeps enough. a little mess indoors, right? but it's not in the hot room. Yeah. And the value of a semi-warm changing room becomes apparent with its 32 below. Amen to that. But that said, uh, this sauna right here, you know, it's loading from the hot room. And uh, it's a great space to sleep in the wintertime. And uh, a guy can just crack the door here. Mm -hmm. So it's, a, it's, a, it's that option going. But yeah, so really there, there is no optimal uh, feed from the outside, feed from the changing room, or feed from the hot room. There, there is no, you know, magic answer. It's what works, works for you. Preference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to know my preference? Sure. Well, do you ever, did, we, did you even say your preference, or are you being very Scandinavian? And, well, I'd and say very, I, I like the inside. 
Okay, because okay. I, I like the smell. I don't mind the mess. If you clean it up once in a while, it's not a, you know, every couple days you yeah. can sweep it. But like the smell, you see either the spark through the dampers or you, you see it through a, a glass plate. So you can see the sparks, you see the flame, which is which is nice as well. Amen. What's your vote, JP? Uh, well, it, it just depends on the space, what works best for the, for the space. Are but you being like, like Switzerland? No, it's actually like, that's a real answer. Like if I had this, <laughs> my, I, my answer to that question in this Running space office. would actually be... <laughs> it's a political candidate? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, JP. No, my answer for you, this setup, the setup you have here with this spare room right out there, I think would be, a feed on the outside would be really cool. Because you'd have, then you'd also have like a wood stove ambiance in your guest room. No, there you go. Oh. Nice. You and you could put a nice little heart going there. That is a really cool yeah. idea. Yeah, I like you, that. You can do that. I could. I could turn it. Just an extension huh. door. Amen. I don't think I got any electrical wire back there. Yeah. But maybe I would. But that's not the end of the world. I could reroute that, that sure. wire. Yeah, I never really thought of that. You could turn. This would be like a tiny house design. Mm -hmm. Tiny house slash sauna design yeah. to, to wow. beat the band. Couldn't yeah. I? I thought about that in my mind at the firehouse if I could. Um, could be so, you know, when I'm just using the changing room area as a living space and as like a reading out there or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, it'd be so nice to, to have the fire, the stove ambiance yeah. in the living space. Yeah. Um, rather than just have it behind that closed door of the, of the hot room. So I thought, oh, yeah. oh, what if I like had the door so it was like folded up, up onto the ceiling and then open, like just to open the room up, you know, so it could be a sauna or a living room kind of area but the real answer would be to uh do the sauna stove feed door in my in my changing room and then i would have the best of both that was a that was a uh, a surprising answer i did not expect you to pick the changing room yeah if you would ask a week yeah. ago i wouldn't have said that so you, you, so the your vata tendency came out. No, See, this not, is the value. And you can't you wait for the turnaround. It's like you, you you say it, but it's like fifty percent of the time it's I just show a shovel and shit. No, it, it makes sense if you really think it through. That is like that's what's good about like you come up with these ideas and they and they come and they go and they change and they alter. Well and, and I, it's like, I I would like I have an opinion, and I love it when my opinion changes because I learned something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I was, like, I like being wrong because it just means you're learning something. But I do have. In the meanwhile, I'm gonna have an opinion about it because, like, I, why the hell not? <laughs> like I do, I care, but I, I'm not. I don't care for the sake of caring. I care for the sake of like learning about what your opinion is, and if it's for a better reason than what mine is, then. Mm -hmm. That's why we're that's why we're having this conversation in the first place. Right. Okay. Well, let's tie that back into the six one two Sauna Society because I think you actually really JP you touched on something and that's what brings this community element and and when you can talk on a sauna bench and hear other people's ideas to improve on your own. Yeah. I mean it it shows that you care and that you know like like you're open to new ideas and I think sauna you know fosters that. Yeah. That line of thinking fosters it for sure for sure i think that's well i don't know i mean I'm, we're sitting here with we should ask we should ask lee lee came to the sauna you know started coming to sauna and then kept coming and coming back i don't know what why that is or why if it had to do with the conversation I think he's got a, or had he, to do with he's the, got a crush on you jp 
Um, well, yeah, it was, I think I may have mentioned it before, but when you see something in a newspaper or on TV about a sauna, it doesn't, it hasn't had the best reputation in the U.S. probably the last 20 years, maybe 30, maybe longer. Um, so I saw that article on a sauna and not having the ability to take a sauna in the Twin Cities. A true, a true sauna. And saw that article in Carol 11. I check it out. And the worst case scenario is I, I check it out. It's what everybody else says about saunas, public saunas, turn around and walk out. Um, but it wasn't the case. So what it was was a bunch of really cool people from different walks of life and different ages that all had enjoyed sauna at some point in their life wanted to come back and wanted to experience that and they're willing to do it with people who also had that same feeling they did mm. so kind of building that community mm. of people that are drawn to drawn to the, the steam mm, drawn to the steam i like that mm-hmm. people drawn to the steam. title for something you're reading my mind garrett <laughs> yeah there's a sound bite jp Drawn to steam. That's beautiful. That's what it is. Well said, people from all over, and it was. Yeah. You know, Where was your first? You this is the kind Como? of people I like to go. Como Park yeah. was the that first Como, yeah. trip down. Yeah. That was a beautiful spot, wasn't it? it in front of the, in front of that. It was until and somebody like, tore it up and left the tires. Uh, was, <laughs> we had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> so JP, you, we were going through some numbers uh, just just recently about yeah. how many unique visitors. I I use that term, and we came up with that six eight hundred as a rough number of how many different people came through sauna this winter on on your your effort. That was just that yeah, and that was that little box and. And then there's the firehouse as well, which is... Bump that up north. That's your own private sauna that resides now in the backyard where you live. Yep. And you hosted a lot of unique visitors or people, which is even more interesting to me that you would invite people that you've never met before over to your own private sauna, you know. Well, not usually, um, but that, that... Usually people end up at mine because they, they're coming with some, you know, either because I know them or they're coming with somebody that I know. But yeah, yeah. so add those numbers in a couple hundred. I don't know. I'm just throwing a number out there. You tell me. What, for this year? Yeah. Yeah, like I said before, probably like around 2,100. Right, of know. which maybe 800 were you... Different pe- 800 different people to make yeah. up 2,100 visits. Yeah. God, those are just amazing numbers. I, first of all, and I would I would say though, too, <laughs> like the numbers they they are when you sit back and do it, but it's really the the least impressive part of, or the least interesting, the least interesting part of the whole thing. What what's so interesting to me is whether it's like a night like you, know, you coming over on a Friday and us untangling the wires and you helping me figure out whether I should. Um, do my, about my apartment and uh, just talking about work and you know, just sorting some, some real life stuff out or it's a night that came about in a little bit more of a like you know Magnus Nielsen song at my place this week which sounds kind of like a, a, a what do you call it a, a 
publicity stunt or something. Or a name uh, check. Yeah. Yeah. Name yeah. Drop. yeah. Now, but for but those for those listening that don't know, Magnus, how do you pronounce his last name? Uh, I believe it's Nilsson. It's N I L S S O N. In in Magnus Swedish. Swedish. Yep. And what does he do? Uh, he's a he's a, a chef. He's mm-hmm. a chef. Um, at one of the most famous and well-renowned restaurants in the world in northern in northern Sweden. And he was in town for an opening. The American Swedish Institute um, has done a, a, a exhibit on him and, and his work and the restaurant that he said, that he um, manages and operates now. Sweet. So they had an opening event, and then the um, after the opening, they came over and had a sauna. And what I was going to say about um, whether it's you and I or the way that the uh, event with you know the gathering with him is it was it was just it was kind of like the same. In terms of just like a celebrity chef is like anyone else. Yeah. And the vibe. The vibe. I mean, the vibe of the night, you know, like it actually was just, it was like right now. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just the same. Yeah. Just a person sweating. Yeah. Yeah, you really, you, you know, egos get checked at the door. Not like he's got one. He sounds like a remarkably cool guy. Yeah. And you mentioned on the drive up what a, what a fun time it was and yeah. stuff. But it, it is really a great equalizer, isn't it? The son of bench. It is. Well, and what was fun with him, just personally, was he wasn't, his on-camera persona wasn't in evidence. He was just a person. And I'm sure it's a little different when he's doing the, the culinary TV show that gets broadcast all over the world. Mm-hmm. That was just neat. Yeah. Anything more you want to say about that event? That was a couple nights ago, wasn't it, JP? Yeah, was just, that was just Wednesday. Well, the, uh, <laughs> We're still trying to catch up on sleep. We're yeah. still trying to catch up on sleep. From it. Yeah, it, it, it did go pretty late because I came over after the uh, the actual the main event. The, well, the other piece of it, the, part of the, when they were asking me to do it, my friend Scott, um, he's the director at the Swedish, American Swedish Institute, somehow one of the statues from the museum ended up at my bonfire. Uh-huh. I see. And, and how big is this statue? It's like a it's like bigger than a real goat. It's a goat statue. Is this statue by chance made out of stone or rock? Yeah. Is it heavy? Yeah, it's like a it's like a statue. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> did it appear in the morning or at night well, or somewhere in between? When it showed up I remember <clears throat> that um and this wasn't like it wasn't like my objective or anything, but like when Scott floated the idea about me, he's like, Hey, this event is you know, we're doing this event, I think it'd be cool to do a come over to your place for a song afterwards and but he called me out we had the we had the chat we were having coffee in the courtyard it's the american swedish institute got these two these, these two chairs in the middle of the courtyard just, just in the middle of the, in the middle of it surrounded by nothing and scott floated the idea and it kind of felt like a moment when like even though i mean he knows like you don't have to strike a deal with me to mm-hmm. To get bench space, it's yeah. like sure. Well, I'm right. now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, sure. You get out there, yeah. but it did feel, I think, because of this like strange seating, the way that we were out there, like masterminds in the middle of this like beautiful courtyard with these huge oversized chairs. Felt like I had to like, like make a counter offer. Uh-huh. Like, okay, but yeah. <laughs> and I looked around. And I had no but because uh-huh. like you know he, I would I would I would probably have been sounding whether or not they all would have came. But I looked around. And I just saw the, this goat statue up on the roof. And I just said, okay, but the goat comes with. <laughs> and Scott looked at me without hesitating or even with, you know, just without even uh, breaking a, 
without even breaking pace and just breaking stride. He's like, okay, deal. Nice. <laughs> and we nice. shook hands and that was the end of the meeting. And I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. Um, just because like, the ego thing wasn't that important. It just also felt like it felt like the deal was done. Like, yes. Right energy was exchanged. Or there's yeah. like an ask. You yeah. say, uh, yes, and. Or, yeah. da, 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 offer concession. Handshake. See you later. Yes. And then. Solidify the deal. And then a few days later, like 48 hours later. To, oh, yeah, that's tonight. Oh, yeah, they're, they hear from. Oh, Magnus Nielsen. Cool, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I so, forgot that was part of the deal. So the goat showed up. The goat showed up, and and it shows uh, integrity from the Swedish Institute that they delivered well, based I, on I, the I conditions don't know of the that contract. They, uh, well, or that they, uh, you know, I don't know how. how it's getting hot in here, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know that it. I don't know that it had their official uh, sign off on that. It, uh, it did end up at my place, you know, after an event that went late, and I don't know whether. Magnus, it uh, found its own way to your sauna. It or? found its own way, but you know, I think I think it was uh, it had the blessing of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ended up back there safely. I was gonna say, so nice. the goat's still the grazing, goat, or is well, it I did back? I did say they would get it back when they let me build the sauna on the rooftop. Oh, you Ooh. know where the goat stood. So yeah. I a good ransom. Yeah. You know? So you went up. So this well, is what else to do, man. It's like people yeah. don't. Why don't? Why doesn't this stuff already exist? I've tried. You know, we try to. We try to just like talk about it, and yeah. end up just kind of sounding like we're. Why doesn't our sauna have ghost exist? No, or like ghost? a a like a nice a nice uh, community sauna that just is the kind of like home base for six one two sauna society that like wants to happen. Like, why doesn't that? It's not a like. It's the question isn't why is a little box or or the sauna co-op that um, that we've been talking about why why is that why the question isn't why is that gonna work the question is really why has it not happened yeah I think a better question at this day is when will it happen but but the question why hasn't it why doesn't it already exist hey. is it really yes because it's not like it's some genius like idea. It's not like nobody's thought about it. It's not like somebody hasn't thought about it every week and email you. Yeah, we should like, really put it by a lake so we can jump in the lake. <laughs> JP, idea. oh my God, we just what did. an idea. No, no but like to that everybody point. knows that this is like duh. Right. It's radically duh. Yeah, but Why JP, they doesn't it exist? Here's the reason: is because they they build cars with windshields bigger than rearview mirrors for a reason, and that's the philosophy we need to apply here. We're not going to look at the rear view mirror and say, look, we've been down this road for two years and three months and 40 miles. Look at the this great opportunity that's right in front of us. Now. I think looking at the past is important, though. And I think that when you look at the past of why, like, because it's not like there aren't public sauna spaces available. But why do they not have that, that experience? Why do not they not provide the experience that has kept this tradition alive for over a thousand mm-hmm. years? Well, when that you, is a well, good question. Yeah, well, before you, you ask anybody to like, you know, contribute or become a member of anything, I think you know you have to take a hard look at that. And I think when yeah. you do, one thing that I at least that I've seen and that is that those spaces, the traditional sauna here, you invited us to your cabin. You invited us. You host. You're hosting us. There's a this exchange of like, um, you're you're giving us something and we're receiving it. And one thing that doesn't exist at the YWCA or at Lifetime is there's not this exchange of, a, of a, an offering and a receiving. There is in that you bought your membership and you're paying for it, but the energy of that exchange is very different from, from that um, I'm buying something that, either, that I 
deserve at some level because my mind is worthless. Mm-hmm. But I think that's one thing that's lost from the backyard um, tradition to public spaces. Yeah. And that's one reason that I do think that I'm really excited about this cooperative idea when we start right. to um, just change what the relationship is between the people that are receiving and the people that are giving. It's not just one person who's uh, investing in a space and then trying to make the money back and make more than their money back. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of people making a resource available to other people and keeping it available in a sustainable way. Well done. I like that. <clears throat> you know, a couple nights ago, while you and Magnus were sharing northern Swedish pate, I, I happened to be down in <laughs> Chicago at Chicago Sweat Lodge. And I can't wait to hook you up, JP, with Bill Trotter, the GM <coughs> down there who has established the vibe that you're speaking about, where people are very respectful. Jam, is that what they call a sauna? Uh, well, he's a general manager. Yeah, well, he came from the restaurant industry where his partner who oh, right. funded it, you know, so it's they use that the terminology. But you could call him superior sauna meister. I could introduce him to you like that. Lead, lead, lead gender? <laughs> if there's a, yeah, if there is a more, ex- well, there's probably only 10 <clears throat> more experienced sauna meisters in North America than Bill Trotter. A guy who go, comes into work every day and helps make mm. sure everybody's having a good experience mm. in Chicago good, Sweat good point, good point. Yeah. And the other nine would be fun to have on this podcast. And Can you think of who else would be on the list? Well, I would, think, I would think, uh, you know, uh, uh, Michael, who owns uh, Archimedes Banya, uh, certainly had drive toward developing superior Sonnenmeister, you know, capability. He had, he had to be a superior Sonnenmeister before he laid, it, laid one brick, you know? I don't know. Actually, I mean, I don't know if, if he's, if it, I don't know the story of that, but like having the coin to start something is different from like being a host. It's totally different. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and I know because like you don't have to have, yeah, I, so I don't know, but I met him and I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that was a big part of it for him. Was, yeah. Because he seemed like somebody who really had a relationship with the space and the people there. Right. Right. And, uh, I think it's great. I think that there's, uh. You know, it doesn't matter what the number is. The point is, is <clears throat> you know, being a Sonnenmeister is more than just the physics of enough mm-hmm. towels or the janitor, janitor work that you allude to. I think it has to take a real high sensitivity toward, you know, people. Like, you have to be a real people person and, and well, feel the energy of people to I, help things roll. What, what do you think? I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but I think one thing that I've noticed is that, like, the, the individuals and the um, experiences that have been really like memorable to me and you know just following up with people with other people at Little Box it's got a lot to do with like relationships and like nothing like no skill that I have but like actually real people that mean something to me that invited other people that really mean something to them along with that new person who's got no relationship but that kind of is their relationship to the space is that it's so mm-hmm. you know they just they they didn't know anybody, but they just heard about this thing that sounded like it could be have integrity and, and be delightful, mm-hmm. and they took a chance on it. That's a relationship as well. But like there was a, a chance, and somebody stepped into that. Like you, know? you Lee. That's me. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. But have, have you ever gone to Little Box Sauna? How many visits for you? I don't know. Eight. I, I make. I didn't make the top twenty probably because I started in February. Right. So ten maybe. Oh, I think yeah. Did you ever bring a? a Buddy that you know in those ten visits I brought a couple. Yeah. Brought a couple. Yeah. And and their what was their vibe? Um, I think they were a little apprehension. 
coming into it? What is this going to be? I tried to explain them what the procedure when you walk in, the change room, you know, the attire. All, all, I tried to explain all that to them so they get a better comfort feeling that it isn't what you grew up thinking maybe a public sauna might be mm -hmm. um, in Minneapolis. And um, and I think after the first time, they they were like, okay, yeah, this is not bad. I can do this again. If I could. It's one thing to explain that to people like you do. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I am really actually super excited and like, like I don't know what's going to happen, but like excited in the right ways of this co-op is it's one thing for people like you who like know how to explain it to people to say the right words. It's another thing for you to say that them as an owner. Yeah, sure. sure. As someone who actually owns the space as much as I do. Mm -hmm. Parkland does. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you would say anything different, but you inviting those people to a space that actually legally, financially is is yours, it's just somehow, and it, maybe someday I'll be able to articulate that better, but for some reason I really feel that it's different. It's a different conversation. It's probably mm -hmm. different. I agree. Even, even if it has even. the same words. And even who you have the conversation with or who you don't have the conversation with. Right. This show is brought to you by Sun Country Airlines. Sun Country is staffed by cheerful humans. And wherever Sun Country flies, they are competitive and keep the airfare honest. So whether I'm checking out Temescal in Tulum or the Archimedes Banya in San Francisco, Sun Country Airlines is the first and last place I go for decent air travel. So uh, tell me what the cabin is like. Uh, you know, how many people does it sleep? And small. So what it was was a uh, small. So back in the day, um, a lot of the Finns, when they set up their homestead, would have a summer kitchen. So a small, uh, a small house or shed or whatever you would call it today. And that's where they would do a lot of their cooking in the summer, so it wouldn't heat the house up. Mm -hmm. There was you know, no electricity, no central air conditioning back then. And so this was an old summer kitchen in Sudan, Minnesota. And so I think uh, my grandfather worked for whatever was U.S. Steel before U.S. Steel, but they owned the, maybe it was U.S. Steel, but owned the Sudan Underground Mine. Sure. And he was a miner there. This was your grandfather. My grandfather. Yeah. And they owned, the um, U.S. Steel owned pretty much a majority of the east end of this lake. That's right. From mining property. And at one point, they decided to offer up the islands that they owned for sale to the miners via payroll deduction. Hmm. So. <laughs> wow. Is that how the Seven Sisters were sold? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But that's how your grandfather bought your island. But that's how we bought, that's how we bought our island was, uh a payroll deduction. I think back then, or you know, I think I've heard a, I've heard the story is one hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. You know, payroll deduction. I suppose back then that was a chunk of change. But, yeah, um, but relatively but, speaking, it was probably fair market value. Yeah. And those that were into that scene and wanted to own something, it was a it was a nice was a, perk yeah. to be able to. It's not large. It's you know, two to four acre. It's a, it's a glacially carved rock knob that sticks out of the water. Yeah. And over the years, enough pine trees and leaves have fallen, which created a few inches of soil. Yeah. And a couple trees grab roots and, yeah. you know, make their way to the lake. And so they have enough for, for some trees. And How many uh, can it sleep? 
but the cabin, so the summer kitchen cabin has had a couple extensions on it over the years. Um, so it can sleep, wow, as many as you can put in there. We've had quite a few in there before. Could sleep 10. Yeah. It's got two, two bedrooms. One bedroom has two, two beds in it, one bedroom and one bed. And so, kitchen and a, yeah, and so, and you, room. you mentioned you go up like every weekend. As much as you can, as right? As much as I can, yeah. <clears throat> and then how does that work with your other siblings and nieces and nephews and stuff? Like whoever's there is there? or Yeah, so what we try to do is we try to just coordinate with everybody. Who's coming, who's going, who's not going. Um, and that's one of the things that we're trying to do is we don't say, hey, I want the cabin for the weekend. Yeah. You know, or I want this for the week. You know, here's the week I want. So we're trying to, we're trying to keep the cabin a family cabin. If you want to go on vacation, go on vacation at the hotel room, but and, and have a party and bring your friends. You can still bring your friends here, but just know that family, other family, might be coming out too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and if they, you don't have your own boat, and we we have you know, a boat in the boathouse that that people can use, that's where you have to coordinate. How do you get there? Yes, I live that too. Yeah, yeah who's you coming? Who's you going? Can't, you can't just drive here, right? Right. Here. Who's got to pick somebody up? Hey, I'm going to be up by two. Can you yeah. pick me up at the boat landing? Or, yeah. Yeah, you, you have the same. Yep. You can't just drive there. There's a it's a whole different. I have friends that have cabins on this lake, and it's nothing for them to just drive up and go. And, I know. On the mainland, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Ju Julie and I will speak to this. Uh, uh, so, you know, there's times. First of all, the idea of hopping in the boat and getting out to Pine Island for me is a lot less than Julia. Because... I'm really comfy in either boat, in any weather. I've, I've proved it to myself that I can do it in harried situations. Mm -hmm. And I know you have a lot of open water to get from Stumps Bay out to your area. And if you have that wind in that, you tell me what the worst direction is. Is it due west that'll, that'll hit you hard? Those are, the biggest, those, are, those are the biggest waves. But, but you can even do that in your 14 foot with a 15 horse motor if you just dodge behind those islands in the right way, right? If you tack it the right way. That's yeah. it. Yep. It's about tacking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, throw Julie under the bus or whatever, but, you know, for her, it's a little intimidating to have white caps and big waves. Um, she likes, she can handle it fine in the big boat, but landing's a bitch, you know, mm -hmm. come, especially mm -hmm. here, if we have an easterly, it's, it is can, kind of treacherous. Um, so anyhow, yeah, so we've talked about mainland and the advantages of that. One of the key ones is if you're in the cities and you want to leave the cities at 7, 8 p.m., it's not a big deal, yeah. you know. You just park your car and walk in the door. You That's know? true. But yeah. all that being said, I just love the island life. I mean, you know, Gary, we, we chatted about that on the uh, island hike. It's, it's just such a magical, beautiful experience to be away from cars. Yeah, well, you, it's a psychological and a physical remove that yeah. is way bigger than the actual dimensions of it. Yeah, well said. That's how I feel about it. I feel that separation from the busy life that I leave behind you know, when I come up here. You feel it, Lee? Oh, all the time. That's the draw. Yeah. You know, it's you're not you're not in the city, you know, and, and when you are, <laughs> when you're on the weekend, you know you're there. You know, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a different, a hurried life. And I find when I'm up here for an extended period, it's uh, it's so liberating 
to not walk out the back door and have a car sitting there. It's almost like the car has a soul on it saying, you know, take me somewhere. Yeah. Take me here. Take me there. Let's yeah. go here. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's so neat to be away from that connection. I went out to an island in Penobscot Bay with friends that have a place this spring. And of course, April waves and it's still winter seascape basically. And I'm a canoeist, not a mariner. Yeah. So I'm terrified of anything out there. And anyway, You thought this was like a normal deal. Well, I figured the guy knew what he was doing. He wouldn't have been doing it. Anyway, we're walking around. It's a a tiny island, and it has one or two vehicles on it and some farm equipment, but no no real roads and no... Well, on Lake Vermilion, we would call that a big island. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for (laughs) an offshore island in Maine, it's a a tiny island. Really? So, wait a minute. Let's... A mile long, okay. And it's a half mile wide. Okay. And, and you call that a small island? Yeah, and there's one year-round family that's been there for five or six generations. Yeah. The caretaker for the rusticators that go there. Cool. Anyway. Yeah. Um, How many cabins on the island, then? Boy, we, there must be 10 or 12, and they're, they're really nice. They're not mega well yeah. being there. Yeah. Um, and if it is mega well... It's tasteful mega well. Yeah. And, tasteful you know, mega well. And when yeah, you're, like that. that's a second good line. When you're looking at the other adjacent islands where, yeah. you know, some big shop from New York or Philadelphia yeah. has his helicopter yeah. pad on exactly. the rocks and, and a humongous house that would dwarf anything. Right. You know, anybody would have. Off scale you know. to the max. Anyway, we're, we're talking to this 74-year-old guy Bob Quinn the boat driver and my host June said Bob that looked a little rough yesterday and he said yeah we shouldn't have been out there mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went oh is yeah. that so <laughs> so what was the boat that you t- crossed in again oh it's probably 30 some feet you know working lobster boat that's a pretty, pretty damn long. big boat wide. you know they're big yeah seaworthy and their sheer lines built to deflect waves and right but um, built for that that exact that climate that and, uh, scene, but it yeah. was pretty neat because I could appreciate 
you know, what little I could recognize of his doings as, you know, every 74 of those years has got an yeah. ingredient Ooh, in yeah. that recipe. You want him driving that boat? Yeah. Yeah. Well done. And, uh, really? Anyway, it was sort of, I'm glad I learned after the fact that it was a rough crossing <laughs> yeah. beforehand, because I was thinking, well, this looks pretty bad to me. It's funny in life, you know, <clears throat> I had a rough crossing in my 14-foot crestliner, the one we were talking about, the out on the dock. It was windier than hell, and it was a south wind. And you come off my dock and head toward Grubens, and you're going due south. Yeah. And it was like, shit, that's the direction I got to go. Yeah. So, like, you know, I was fairly experienced with that little boat at that time. But to make a long story short, it's... Uh, when you're alone in a in a pillar steer yeah. boat, and you're not necessarily trimmed well. Though. You're not trimmed well, exactly, and that you have a perfect storm in the sense that that bow rises up and that wind throws that like yeah. a sail. I got flipped around. I'm heading south, yeah. coming out of my dock, and the wind gusted, and the next thing I knew, I don't know what happened, but I'm all of a sudden heading north. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like that freaked me out. Doesn't take long to occur. Yeah, and actually, you're lucky it doesn't because you don't want to be broadside in the middle for yeah. more than a billionth of a second. So then I, yeah, and then I took in a bunch of water, and yeah. uh, so I cruised around in that bay straight out from us, comet, and had co cover from the heavy winds. Yeah, and I circled that bay about six, eight times to get the water out of the back of that. Boat. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Are we still recording? Yeah, the wind throwing the boat can be worse than the wave dynamic in some cases yeah and they're always related but but not if a storm surge a couple of days old is pounded in and you're still yeah watching big green breaking things oh, wondering isn't you know crazy? is this is the 750th wave the rogue <laughs> yeah that's right that my shear line's not capable of <laughs> yeah you've done a lot of paddling a lot of canoeing yeah in maine and quebec and labrador so the scary part for us is not the rapids, it's the, the big crossings. That's right, especially in early season. Yeah. I mean, it's a freaky thing to be in a canoe in open water and to know that if you tipped, there's a good chance you will not survive. Yeah, but, well, and up, you know, in Quebec and Labrador, it's hypothermia season all year long. Okay. And you may get 45 minutes of extreme misery you croak in the yeah. summer but yeah. I'd rather go in the winter when you got a few minutes and then you're gone and you don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a desperate situation and this 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 perfect problem happened to a friend of mine who has a boundary water trip from hell he went up out of um, out of up 61 your your stomping grounds yeah. went into the boundary waters and he the first cardinal sin he made is there were four guys he didn't know uh, he didn't know two of them Mm -hmm. He was a friends of friends and all that, and he gets paired up with a guy who was one of those guys uh, who says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know how to canoe." I no, know right. they're, they're the, the most dangerous. Yep, and the, and it was day one. They are full packed, everything, yeah. and they're on their first crossing, and the wind's howling, and it's spring, and and the guy flipped it on, yeah. on mm -hmm. my friend, who's a pretty well experienced paddler, and they were in a desperate spot there. Yeah, you are, and even when it ends happily. You still were, and oh. you just don't know where that threshold was. Yeah. You, you, but you did get away with something. Yeah, yeah, they were in a rush to get to mainland. They did everything right as best they could in yeah. the circumstances. Got a fire going right away. It was like right on a raw shoreline, and that was their path toward recovery: is yeah. heat, 
in a fire. Well, as, as a guide, I, I would always take the least experienced, and my partner would too, and that was great, because mm -hmm. people with no experience listen, and they exactly. do what you say, and they ask for the nuances. Yes. And they don't try too hard the, either. The dangerous person is somebody who blundered their way through a class two or three rapid by luck one trip and declares themselves, oh yeah, I'm a solid class three paddler. Yeah. And you ask them to back paddle and they don't know what you're talking about. Or you ask them, we're going to do a, a downstream ferry here, but next mm -hmm. one we're going to spin in that eddy and we're going to do an upstream ferry. They have no clue. Right. They, and that's they, good for you. They know how to go fast and faster than the current, which is great in a easy rapid with oh, a lot of space. But yeah. when you've got to maneuver and when you've got waves you can't accommodate, you you spend a lot of time figuring out how to avoid them. And yeah. when you have a beginner, they're great. You yeah. say, it's counterintuitive. I need you to draw on the left side. It's going to feel like it's toward that rock to you, but it's right. actually setting up a ferry angle. The current's going to shoot us to the right. We'll yeah. miss it, yeah. and we won't have to work. Yeah. And also, going slower than the current, and it's the side wash on the canoe that pushes you and the load. Mm. Yeah. To the offside. And yeah. Another word that comes into mind there is like trust, right? Yeah. And when you have someone completely inexperienced, they're submitting. They trust you. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And they're not going to fight you and say, no, no, let me let me pull mm. this side over. And then that's that's tough. You can only have one guy. Or do you usually paddle stern? If it's with a beginner or if the day is such that it's easy, I always offer, hey, you want to learn stern and moving mm -hmm. water today? Mm -hmm. It's easy, Rapids. You can do it. Mm -hmm. I'll coach you from the bow. Um, or, you know, this is dicey lake conditions. Can I take stern for yeah. now? And I'll, yeah. I'll get it back the minute we're in the lee of that island. And, yeah. You know, one day of the trip, maybe we'll say, yeah, give it a go. Yeah. Or, or on a rapid. It's a great moment as a guide when you say, hey, you ready to do this stern? Yeah. And they'll gulp and say, yeah, let's yeah. try it. Yeah. And, and they're so scared they do it flawlessly. Oh. <laughs> Just the greatest chill you get That's when nice. you're at the bottom and you think. <laughs> so yeah. if you're if you're if you're paddling with someone of equal, you know, equal experience and capabilities and stuff, uh, do you prefer bow or stern? Or? If it's equal, I'm either, and it's better to switch all day, and then you really are equals because. Especially with couples, it seems that people settle in an end and they never move out. Yeah. And if you don't know what the needs of the other end you're not in are, hmm. you're not a good teacher for mm. that end. Good point. So it's... That is a good metaphor mm. there. There is a good metaphor. In the rapids where it's, it's finesse and technique, it's really gratifying. In a, in a big lake, it's a little easier because you say, well, we're not going out there. If we do, and if this happens, here's our strategy. Mm -hmm. And have you flipped in any tough spots? No, um, I never on, have. On commercial trips, there have been maybe fifteen capsizes in a thirty-year career. Mm -hmm. uh, half of them, the silly ones that happen when you're loading or you're on a ledge with one foot and in the canoe yeah, with the other. Yeah, you're right just, at shore. It's not life-threatening. Isn't it amazing how once you get underway and you lose the relativity of shoreline, yeah. everything becomes so much easier because the variables get reduced? 
Like just yeah, to your focus gets to right where you need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get a bowman that says, "There's one way over there." Don't worry about that one. We're not anywhere near that one. <laughs> That's right. There's three in front of us that we do see, and who knows how many we don't see. We're going to avoid them right now. You're talking big waves. Yeah. Do you like well, to quarter waves in a canoe? Yeah, well, in a canoe, if it's not, if it's an open canoe, which usually we were, we didn't, we use spray covers on personal private trips, but um, you, you can do two things. You quarter them when you can, and the other thing is, if you have to spin, you spin on the crest when the ends of the canoe are out of the water, yeah. and you can do it. Yeah, a good can. solid draw stroke on opposite sides from each end will spin you. Yep, yep. So that's yeah. like come about in a Yeah, so if you're in a barely navigable tailwind and you're getting nerved out by it and say, look, we need a rest, yeah. you pick a wave, the lowest you see coming, spin on it, and you just hold it yeah. yep. heading into the wind. Called weather cocking. Sailors like do it a lot. Yeah. And when you get your wits back and your strength back, you say, "Okay, I see tenth wave up. That's low, not breaking. We'll spin on that one, and we'll resume that stern quarter." So this is where the tailwind. Yeah. And what you're looking for there is to spin around so that your head is into the wind and you can take a breather. Yeah, you basically the... stop. You're probably drifting backwards. That's a right. But you're not. You're not fighting for every. Yeah. fragment of control exactly and, and that's a rest point then. yeah even though even though you may be back you the wind yeah. is pulling you back which is where yeah. you want to go anyway yeah, actually i'm talking too much i gotta go cool mm -hmm. um, i can talk through the door um <laughs> just looking into the wind you see everything coming right and you're ready for it there's a lot of metaphors to life here. Mm -hmm. we, should, we should translate that in some way. You know it, and rogue waves sneak up behind you and sneak over the gunwale. Again, another <laughs> metaphor. So that's why you stand. Rise <laughs> forward. Too many metaphors. Like the, the cheesy part of the movie where like, yeah. everything makes perfect right. sense. Yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah, that's so great. I know. That would be kind of funny though. Like there's two conversations going on. One's a literal one, and one's a metaphorical mm -hmm. one. <laughs> What's the story behind your little guy there in the corner? That was given to me by the Finnish Song Society's chief executive officer. What okay. a great guy, Jarmo Lettina. He sent this to me along with some some gifts from Finland I guess I guess you know I mean do you put oil in it or is it a good luck I just Sony? leave it right on the sound rocks and it's kind of neat that the guy's staring at us right now <laughs> and I mean what a cool gift you know I mean I, I think of him you know when yeah, cross water on the rocks. Yeah. I think about sound culture as an international thing mm -hmm. you know it's paying homage to Finland uh, you know it's interesting about sauna you know like in heat practices all over the Russian Vanya and the Temescal and American Sweat Lodge and stuff. You know, I'm so partial to the Finnish sauna as, as the, the method of sweat because of my exposure to it, you know, at an impressionable age. I was hitchhiking around Scandinavia and stuff. So I just immediately gravitated to the Finnish version of, of sweat. It's the one that speaks to me, you know, and the whole nature thing, Lee, like we were speaking about, you know, being on the shores of a beautiful cold lake and jumping in it's just my vibe you know 
And to know that this is happening right now in Finland, like there's a couple of three Finlanders sitting on a bench talking about us three Americans sitting on a bench. That's a pretty cool thing. That's right. That's right. Or if they haven't been here yet, joking about how us Americans must take salmon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I tell you, a fin is right on par with right. this. This is very, this is all similar. That's why I'm looking forward to going back to Finland, too. I mean, what a novelty, you know? You know <coughs> I mean, here it is, like, it'd be like some Finland to come to America and say, yeah, I just, I really love uh, cheeseburgers mm -hmm. and cruising around. Like, imagine all the, uh, yeah. all the different grill-outs he'd be invited to. That's true. But they do like their saunas when they're here. Yeah. So when they hear of someone that has a sauna. Yeah. That's why, you know, sauna talk <clears throat> also involves the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport and an installation, JP, that could be had right there in just, you know, right in the confines. Um, One of the best times to sauna is when you land someplace. And there's been a place where that actually is it's the oldest sauna tradition in North America. Is Minneapolis like, that'd be a very not mm -hmm. only like physiologically like the perfect time to saw and the perfect yes thing to do after you arrive after a yeah. long plane yeah. ride exactly it also has the cultural relevancy of like when you show up at the airport and, and yeah like oh it's Minnesota they look like cousins they look like Timberwolves <laughs> right <laughs> like yes it's actually slice toward the the culture yeah yeah they're you know they try to like introduce people to the city there that's a that's a great thing to be introduced to. Yeah, and where it would happen, I mean, you know, if we were gifted a 50 grand and could do this and had a... Let's yeah. make it 60. Why not? All right, 60. And then, and then we had the um, Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport Commission, like, giving us a green light to do what we wanted. Would we choose to do it on the property of Minneapolis Airport, or would we take our 60 grand and try to secure an off-site place, either at a hotel close by on the 494 Strip or... God forbid, get the Minneapolis Park and Recreation Department to I think it's carve out real estate. I think it's offsite because I think again the yeah. transition. It's all about transitions, right? right the on. transition, and the transition to the sauna. Whether it's like we had to get in a boat and come out here on the yes. But I think there should be a little bit. It shouldn't be right at the airport. There like should be the a little answer. bit of a transition. Well done. When you can feel it in your nose, that's good. That's the type of steam you can only get from a real sauna stove. That's right. You put that amount of water on my old stove, the steam really reveals where the heat is. Oh, really? Yeah, the water really reveals where the heat is. If you put that amount of water on my old stove, it'll come with a blast to your face right up front. Right in the front part. Immediately, that was so discomfortable and not pleasant. I <laughs> could close the word fist 
all the heat from, from this is more distributed. Circulating. Like it's still coming. Yeah. Like it's actually just still increasing right now. Yeah. But like that delay, that's the difference. Yeah, it's not one burst. No. And that was on your old stove, right? Yeah. Contrast that with your new stove now. Yeah, it's more like this. We can, if you put on a bunch of water. A sustained steam. Yeah. smaller that cool out faster so you got to take advantage of those bursts and like strategically place your water for the bursts yeah yep yep exactly so yeah like when it would cool down i mean my new stove is always hot like uh, there's always enough resonant heat there to get a good blast of, of steam but my old stove you know, it would cool down so so much that there would be times when like it wouldn't even really wouldn't produce good load you have to make sure you kept it hot or did the steam when the fire was right. Hey, what's your name again? Jock? Toivo. Miko Toivo? Toivo. Miko's my brother. <laughs> Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah. JP, you partook in the rapid. I still gotta publish your our previous sauna talk. Yeah. I got three you to publish. Um, Scott Reesonen is gonna be next, and then uh, then you, and then there's another one, um, and then I think I'll publish this one. So there'll be a few on the mix. But uh, rapid fire question. <clears throat> I'll start with you, Lee. So oh, if, if you can, know. is there a prize? I hear the ticking going on. Is that a prize at the end of this? Yeah, the, the prize, prize is 10 degrees is warmer by the time I ask you to go in there. Why is it? What? What, what is that ticking? Oh, that's uh, what I did is I pulled the coals forward, and that creates more draft. Uh, and so these coals are igniting and it's creating more heat that's expanding the metal. Why mm -hmm. does it create more draft when you pull the coals to the front? Of See, what happens is the stove burns from front to back. And so the because there's more oxygen up in the front, right closer, yeah. Right, it creates this venturi oh, effect. Yeah, so this you're pull. pull, you're pulling that stuff that's in the back that is less hot. Well, it's coals that want to burn. Yeah. But they're deprived of oxygen yeah. sitting in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to burst, th this is a way we're talking mm -hmm. about. You know, where you want to put your your feed from the hot room, feed from the change room. One of the reasons why my vote is feed from the hot room is because with this stove or all any good sauna stove 
is uh, it's efficient. So you're using gasification. 70% of the BTUs in, the, is in, in a stick of wood is in the smoke. And so if you're burning mm. inefficiently, mm -hmm. you're needing more wood. You're not getting all the fuel out of that yeah. wood. These burn super that, efficient. That's just, so the most of the heat, what you said is most of the heat is in the smoke. There's, right. That's where the heat exists in the in the in the song. Yeah, scope. the gas from yeah. the burning. Uh, uh, yeah. Of course. So so as you as you pull these forward, there's a venturi effect. There's more oxygen, and that chamber heats up really quick because it yeah. wants to go. So back to wood management. <clears throat> what I've learned through many songs and all that is uh, just by doing what we're doing, it saves you a stick of wood. Because instead of adding wood when you think you need it, yeah. if you pull that forward, it saves a stick. Yep, yep. Rather and than have it like burn out when we're not in here anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the added bonus is all of that ash burns off. So yeah. when you come start your sauna again, there's not a lot of ash in your in your heat box. So fire box. So 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 we're 10 degrees warmer, and the rapid fire question for Lee is if you could build. Back <laughs> <laughs> around. <laughs> 10 minutes later, rapid fire. Yeah, but that's okay. That's what Sauna Talk's all about, right? There's no time to this. Mm. It's just whether the listener is still bearing with us or not. That's right. That's right. And, and hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> we already lost one. Okay, all right. So if you could build a kick ass sauna mm -hmm. and bring it anywhere in the world, where would you choose? Mm -hmm. It would be somewhere on a cold lake, much like they are today. The water's not hot. The weather's not hot. The rain is perfect. But yeah. it's got to be a cold lake. You can have 80 degree outside, a nice glacier-fed lake. Nice. Perfect. So you're talking a certain latitude and above. Right? right. So immediately, you've taken the world and you've cut it. I've cut all three quarters of it right away. Yeah. In, or maybe, well, maybe we can say the bottom quarter. There you go. You know, I, I haven't sounded in Antarctica yet. Interesting question, Lee. So what <laughs> would be the, uh, what, when you think about northern Minnesota, yeah, sure. Sweden, Finland, mm -hmm. uh, Russia has a lot of this climate, yeah. right? Yeah, As you go around the globe, there is this thing going on. What is the counter in the southern hemisphere of the climate we enjoy so much for sauna? Mm-hmm. Is there counter to our sauna? No, like what is the what is the southern hemisphere's climate equivalent oh. to Finland, northern Minnesota, mm -hmm. Russia, northern Russia? I don't know. I don't know. And I can is it New it, Zealand? Southern New Zealand? Mid California. Oh, they're outside of desert. California, they're all <laughs> No, I'm just joking. So, they're no, you know what? Be, yeah, it, cold lake. Yeah, fine. You where you don't have the glacial carved, oligotrophic lakes. I think that's for follow up. Um, uh, that's uh, a good looking that's into. A good but yeah. to say the best place would be on a lake such as this, wood fired sauna. Yeah. I think we determined already through this discussion today it's yeah. going to be. In from the inside. <laughs> okay, you're getting really particular on this, aren't you? But no, no lake comes to mind particularly no. where you would bring a mobile sauna. Wherever people feel comfortable building a sauna, that's where they should do it. Yeah, well done. What uh, What do you think is most misunderstood about sauna? You know, to those not that maybe haven't grown up with sauna or know sauna really well. What What is something that you think is most misunderstood about? I think it's the use of the sauna. Right, so 
what they might know, but it might be from the use of the gym, which we, we talked about. You don't throw water on at the gym sauna necessarily. Um, and most places that people learn to sauna might be at the gym or at their school. And that's how you learn what a sauna is. There's a really hot room, uh, but you don't learn the benefits of the sauna. You don't learn the steam and the benefits of steam. Uh, it brings you in your body, your lungs. Um, you don't learn, you don't get the benefit of Soundling with people that know how to sound. Mm -hmm. you know, so, for example, like when every time someone new comes to Little Box, John walks them through. If you're feeling too hot, you go ahead and get up and leave. Yeah. We generally want you to stick around for 10-15 minutes and make sure you get out to get a cool round in. Stay outside yeah. for five, ten, fifteen minutes. Right. When it feels right, go back in. So learning the process is the most misunderstood thing. Probably learning the process of how to use the sound. Versus yeah. going in the room, oh my gosh, this is too hot. Yeah. I'm done. You know, I was sitting for five minutes and that was their experience. They didn't experience the, the cool down, uh, the camaraderie or the conversation that goes on within the sauna or outside of the sauna during the cool down. And it's all part of that ambiance. It's all part of that experience. Yeah. It's kind of ironic when you talk to someone and you say, oh, I like sauna, immediately most people think about the hot room. Sure. A sauna lives, breathes, dies. The process lives and dies within a hot room. And and that's just scraping the surface. Because uh, as you mentioned about, about a cold northern Minnesota lake or a cold lake anywhere, you know, you know what you're introducing is more than just a hot room. It's sure. part of oh, the yeah. sauna that's process. Part of it, that's part of it. You have the hot room and then you have to, that's part of your process. Cool off. And yeah. what better to do it in an ice cold lake. Well done. well done. So, Lee, if you could have a sauna anywhere mm -hmm. or, or with anyone, uh, dead or alive, <laughs> okay, like one other person, just oh, you and one other person just having a sauna session, um, who would you choose? I think the, the answer that comes to everybody's mind, 50% of the population, is Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think she was into sauna? Um, Although she was a Midwest girl, so she probably had some sort of Scandinavian connection, either directly or indirectly. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. And so she may have had, um, I think that's going to be my theory here. And so you would go back in time, Marilyn Monroe, obviously. I bring her forward in time. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so, but as she was but, in her prime. Yeah. Yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it is a hypothetical. So it, you, you, hypothetical you, you, took full, you took full use of the hypothetical. I took full use of the hypothetical. Yeah, I like that. So that what mood are you feeling? Are you mood for funny conversation? That might be in that bucket. Mm -hmm. If you're mood for political conversation, like why the heck did we do this in the Battle of Bulge? Sauna in the world of history of battle. Or if you want to talk about the future and exploration. But, all right, so I'm yeah. not going to, Marilyn Monroe isn't with she's, us anymore, so she's fair game to throw under the bus, but that's right. how intelligent of a conversation would you have with Marilyn Monroe on a sauna bench? Oh, I think pretty easy. Yeah? You I think, think, she, I think she would ask a lot of questions, and I would be a lantern for her. Oh, okay. One-sided, yeah. intellectual conversation. Really good. I may be wrong. She, she may prove me wrong someday. There's theories that she's still alive, you know? Yeah. Okay, another another question for you. <laughs> no, but under this hypothetical, I mean, I've had guests on uh, sauna talk that you know speak to uh, taking a sauna with their grandfather. Uh, that's what I thought when you were gonna say fifty percent. You know, I so I think uh, I have taken 
father with my grandfather. I think I had a really close family connection. If I wanted to go back farther in time, maybe it was maybe the ancestors and my great-grandfather before they came to the United States. What are you feeling? Why are you, why are you about to move from Finland to the United States? So What's you, driving you to come here? That, great Zama talk. No you know, question. That's a decision-making moment in every young man's life in 1917. Yeah. And why did he make that? And was he talking to his father in a sauna? Wow. And the dad said, boy, here's what I think you should do. Yeah. Be nice to be in that hot room. Wouldn't that, that be nice to be in that hot room? Yeah. Just to hear that. <clears throat> but it would really suck if you didn't speak Finnish. Well, and that's the case, so... <laughs> <laughs> but under this hypothetical, you we did. could you put did. the caveat in there. But I speak Finnish. Yeah, well done. So, as you think about your... Let's talk about your sauna process. Like, uh, um, you know, you know, how often do you sauna and where do you sauna? Mm -hmm. So, up until the little box, I was kind of restricted on how much I saw. I would probably be in the fall during hunting season at my uncle's hunting uh, cabin, his house, and then, or was it my brother's house, which was my grandfather's uh, here where, last winter. Where was that? Just south of Edward's Club. That's right. Uh, be, right in between Gilbert and Edward. Yeah. Small mining location called Sparta. Mm-hmm. No Sparta. So <clears throat> that so your saunas were restricted to two one eight, which is the area code yep. for up here. Yeah, that's, that's so right. you're you were a tried and true Minnesotan. Grew up two one eight. I've been in six one two land for the last eleven years. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, your saunas then living in in the Twin Cities uh, were limited to the times you could get up north, or the times I can get into little. So you're, you would sauna on average if you took the last, say, 10 months, you know, maybe what, once a week on average, once every two weeks? That'd be lucky. lucky. But would be yeah, lucky. once every two weeks. Okay. Schedule another box. Okay. So, so, Lee, as you think about your sauna experience from everything, you know, from the very beginning, you're like, oh, I'm going to get to sauna, you know, th this evening. You know, from even the anticipation all the way to the end of that night when you tuck yourself into bed and, you know, all that. What phase, what particular phase within the whole sauna process, thinking about it, doing it, you know, going to bed at night, whatever, uh, do you enjoy, what phase do you enjoy most and why? I think in different stages of my life, you enjoy different pieces of it. When I was really young and I could fit in a large 20-gallon stainless steel tub that was on the floor with water, that was my excitement, was jumping in that little tub on the uh, sauna floor, right? That yeah. was my excitement. Yeah. Um, growing up into the teenage and college years, I think it was jumping in into anything cold. Nice yeah. cold lake, cut a hole in the ice, or mm -hmm. jump in a nice you know, lake that's got some clouds over it, cool yeah. winds. That that actual <coughs> feeling of jumping in, yeah. the, the pinnacle experience that's, of the sun. Catch it, catch it, let's do it again. Yeah. Right now, as I'm sitting in sauna longer and maturing it, a lot of it is the time you spend in the hot room with the steam. Sometimes it's conversation, sometimes there's no conversation. It's just your mind is where it's going. So the Everybody's pinnacle spot, somewhere else, so. yeah, the pinnacle moment would be hot room, upper bench. Today. Today, for yeah. this sauna. For this sauna, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Different people have different, um, <clears throat> you know, answers to that, obviously, and I think it's indicative of the fact that, as we were alluding to earlier, is sauna is not just about the hot room. No. What's yours? I like your answer about how it, how yours has changed over the course of your life, like the different like, pinnacle moments, and, you know, obviously when you're young, like, 
young 20s or whatever, that's just so euphoric, that idea of like jumping through a hole in the ice or ice cold. You know, you have that joie de vivre, you know, that deep, you know, um, the, it's like going going to Valley Fair and going on the, the most intense roller coaster. Adrenaline. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, you know, I'm 53, right? So <clears throat> I, I don't want to use the easy answer of, of the, whole, the whole phase. And mm -hmm. I tell you, that's one of the reasons why I asked Sama Talk guests the question is because I don't know if I could pinpoint a specific moment within that thing. There's, and I just need to walk that through, you know, for the listener. Um, I love looking at the weather, like, for example, and being in Minneapolis and seeing, like, a really shitty forecast, cold rain, yeah. or, you know, snow, you know? Shit, it's starting to snow. It's 10 a.m. I can't wait to fire that up. You know, sometimes a lot of things, the anticipation is even more exciting than the doing, right? Yep. So I, I have to be candid with you and say that, that front-end <laughs> thinking is a really powerful... That's, you're right, that is powerful as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it does give you a better move knowing that you're about to do sauna. Yeah, and, and there's that, that idea of sauna, you know, the worse the weather, the better the sauna, and you have a sauna, and it's you're like you're... It's just a way to really open up weather, yeah. you know, as it a... Change it. it neutralizes the weather, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it brings out the best in weather, I mm -hmm. mean... The worst of weather, like I love those Minneapolis winter snowy days. I will play hooky, I will do whatever it takes to get out on fresh snow. Um, because I know I have a sauna in my backyard, like ticking away waiting for me. I mean, it's a big... Makes the frown upside down. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, one more plunge. Nice.